You know this, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, recovering from, uh, uh, I'm not just, I, I am in a food poisoning uh, season and uh, last night I think I went to the bathroom at least 20 times uh, and I'm not sharing that so that you can be sympathized with me. I'm sharing that so that you can pray for me that God will give me the grace, amen. The Bible says that when we are weak, we are strong, amen, hallelujah. I want to speak today on the cross, the crook and the crown and my text of course is the most beloved psalm of the, the Bible, it's Psalm 23 and I want to recite the psalm to you and I want to dive into the Word. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not not one. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The book of Psalms is the hymn book of the children of Israel. It is the longest book in the Bible. It took nearly a thousand years to compile. And although most of the Psalms were written in the time of King David around 1000 BC, some were written in the time of Moses and others during the exile. The word Psalm simply means the plucking of a string instrument. My focus today is Psalm 23, which is considered the most beloved of all the Psalms. Many prophets have declared that Psalm 23 is the Psalm for 2023 for reasons and I want to take this time to break open some of the amazing truths that are in this psalm. It's interesting that Psalm 23 is sandwiched between Psalm 22 and Psalm 24 and that is important because these three psalms come as a triplet. Psalm 22 is Jesus on the cross. No other psalm in the Bible depicts what Jesus went through at Calvary more than Psalm 22. I think as David was composing this psalm prophetically, he had difficulty trying to articulate the emotions that were stirring within him. He had no idea that he was expressing what Jesus was going to utter when he was on the cross. Psalm 22 begins with the cry that Jesus with himself would later quote, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 23 begins with the Lord is my shepherd and the instrument of a shepherd is a staff or in the old English, a crook. And then Psalm 24 depicts Jesus as king who reigns and rules and a king of course wears the crown. So you've got the cross, you've got the crook and you've got the crown. Or we see Jesus as our saviour and then our shepherd and then as sovereign. Now this magnificent psalm was written by David. Not in his early years, as some people assume, but in his latter years of his life, David was reflecting on all that he had gone through and he realised that through it all, the Lord has been watching over him faithfully as a shepherd over his sheep. And it's most likely composed in a place called Mahanaim, where David was fleeing his son Absalom because it contains very mature truth. Psalm 23 is a testimony of the three great benefits of salvation. God has promised every single one of you today, if you are born again as a believer, God has promised you three things. Number one, His protection. Number two, His provision. And number three, His guidance. I'm going to circle back to this in a few moments. It's also a description of the path that God has chosen for His people as they walk through life. In the Psalm, there is a mention of beautiful pastures, of streams, but the Christian life is not all just streams and lush green pastures. There are also valleys in the shadow of death where you and I will have to pass through. Psalms this, uh, one uh, begins with this, uh, Psalm 23 begins with this verse, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. 
Now David presents to us one of the great aspects of God's nature and that he is a shepherd. The whole context of Psalm 23 has to do with the work of a shepherd, in particular a Middle Eastern shepherd. And if you don't understand the function of the shepherd, you cannot appreciate the psalm. And one of the expressions of the church is, we are his flock. Psalms 105 says that we are the sheep of his pasture. And Jesus is our good shepherd. He's not a hireling. He doesn't flee when he sees the wolf come. The hireling flees because he does not care about the sheep. But the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. John chapter 10. Because the Lord loves his people, he appoints over them shepherds to do three primary things. And this is my job description for Cornerstone. To feed you, protect you, and guide you. Today we call them pastors, but the Bible doesn't call them pastors. They were called shepherds. And I think that the idea of a shepherd gives us a far better picture of what we are actually called by God to do. A shepherd has three great responsibilities. To feed, to protect, and to guide. Just remember this. To feed, to protect, and to guide. When Jesus was on the earth, He said, I am the good shepherd. Now the word good does not just mean that God is good, that Jesus is good morally, which He is, but He's also skillful, skillful at being a shepherd. The Apostle Peter tells us that, that He is our chief shepherd. Hebrews tells us that He's the great shepherd of the sheep. All that to say that you can trust your shepherd to lead you. He's a skilled shepherd and He sees things that you don't. Come on, hallelujah. Sunday school teacher asked the students of her young class to memorize Psalm 23. That was their assignment. And she gave the youngsters a month to learn the psalm by heart. Little Ricky was very nervous. He was excited, but he was nervous. But he just couldn't remember the psalm. And after much practice, he could barely get past the first line. On the day of the presentation, all the kids came and did that presentation. When it was Ricky's turn, he stand up on a microphone and he said proudly, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's all I need to know. Hallelujah. <laughs> he is your shepherd because... And, and because of that, David can say, I shall not want. Now the word want in Hebrew is not the best translation. A better word is I shall not lack. Your shepherd is not responsible for providing what you want, but he's responsible for providing what you need. Come on. Why is that important? Because many of you are very unsanctified ones. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that God said no to you sometimes? Huh? Right? But if there are some things that I need that are a basic necessity in life, then you can take it to the bank. Your good shepherd has promised that he will provide. And that's what Jesus is trying to say in Matthew chapter 6. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said all these things that the pagans seek after. He says, I will give to you. Come on. The pagans, they don't seek after God. They seek after things. That's why they have things. We don't seek after things. We seek after God and we still have things. Hallelujah. It's not a matter of what you have. It's a matter of where you want to live. Amen. Now the reason why God chose sheep to depict His people is not a mystery. Sheep aren't the cleverest, aren't the smartest animals, right? They're usually quite dumb and they're almost exclusively dependent on the shepherd. The sheep cannot protect itself, cannot provide for itself and it cannot guide itself so it's completely dependent on the shepherd to do that. In verse 2 it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. One of the most difficult tasks of a shepherd in caring for the sheep is to get them to lie down and rest. 
Why? Because we're so restless. Sometimes He calms the storms, but sometimes He wants to calm you. Have you ever, had the Lord ever made you to lie down? Has He? I rarely fall sick. I hate it when I do, especially at my age. And the worst thing about falling sick at my age is you get terribly tired and I don't like the feeling of being immobilized and doing nothing. And I realize that He makes me to lie down because sometimes I refuse to lie down. We just came back from a short vacation in Malaysia and I brought my laptop and I brought my work and my kid says, Dad, this is a vacation. You're not supposed to be working. But you know, my mind's running at 100 miles per hour and sometimes our gauge is running on empty. You gotta be careful, my friends. You gotta be careful because you're not built for that kind of pace and pressure. At some point, you will collapse. At some point, you will break down. We're all created with built-in limitations. Woo! At 63, I'm realizing that I'm just a sluggish piece of aging humanity. I have limitations. I realize that. And the older I get, the more I, I'm willing to embrace those limitations. But I'm telling you, some of you are running at a pace that you were not designed by God for. Let the Lord lead you beside still waters. Come on, slow down. Learn to rest. You say, Pastor, what should I do? Go to Bible College of Wales. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't ignore the warning signs on your dashboard, my friends. Please. You know, there are four things that are needed before sheep will lie down. They have to be free from fear because they're very timid. They have to be free from friction from other, with uh, other members of the flock. Have you noticed that when you're in strife with somebody, when you quarrel with your wife, you can't sleep at night? I know some of you just snore and go and sleep, right? But most of us, you, you, there's, whenever there's friction, you know, it borders you. Number three, you've got to be free from flies and other parasites. And these things speak of evil spirits. And I'm going to talk to, to you about them in a few moments. And number four, they must be fed. In other words, before sheep will lie down, they've got to be, to, to, they have to be free from fear, tension, aggravation, and hunger. How does the Lord lead His flock? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. My friends, you've got to learn to cultivate the ability to recognize His voice. A man was visiting the Middle East and he was sitting on a grassy slope when he saw three shepherds lead the flocks converging to a watering hole in, uh, and all, all at the same time. Can you just imagine the chaos when you see three flocks converging at one watering hole? And the man was so sure that they would never be able to separate the three flocks. But as he watched, he realized that the shepherds were totally unconcerned about what was happening. They were just talking and laughing. And finally, when the sheep had finished drinking, each shepherd started walking in a different direction. And as they started walking, they started singing. And as they started singing, all of a sudden there was this movement and little, little sheep of streams of sheep started following until they were separate and there were three flocks again. I tell you, all those shepherds they needed to do was to sing and the sheep understood and recognized the voice of the shepherd. Learn to recognize the voice of your shepherd. Amen. Then it says, the Lord leads us to green pastures. It is my job in Cornerstone that you are well fed. Hallelujah. Amen. It is my job to ensure that our pastors are always seeking new pastures. You cannot be grazing on the same truths over and over, year over year and year again. You can't be talking about grace, 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 grace every year. Shabbat. 
You can't pluck one truth from the Bible and preach on that the whole year, whole year round. We had a member from our church who was in London and attending a church for several years there. And the pastor started Romans chapter 1. And 12 months later, he's still at Romans chapter 1. I have no fear of exaggeration to say Cornerstone is a green pasture. Our people are well fed and that has been intentional ensuring that the church is a green pasture is one of my top priorities. I tell you this, my friends, this is what I'm called to do. It's my job to make sure that you are fed with the finest of wheat. Hallelujah. And there are many responsibilities that I've delegated to my pastors, but this is one responsibility I don't delegate. I decide who preaches here on Cornerstone. Hallelujah. Because I care for you. Hallelujah. Amen. He leads me beside still waters. Did you know that 70% of sheep, almost 70% is composed of water. A sheep needs water to survive or it will die of dehydration. And there are different sources of water in the Middle East. The dew and the grass. Uh, you've got wells, you've got springs and streams. But I like to focus on the first source of water, which is dew. Dew is found on the grass before the sun is up when it's still dark. And this dew satisfies the thirst of the sheep as it forages and enables them to lie down contentedly through the day as the heat of the sun rises. What does it mean? It means you have to wake up early and feed and drink upon the Lord in the early pre-dawn hours. The best nourishment, the best manner is reserved for those who get up early to seek it. And I'm telling you this, my friends. I get up at 4.45 every morning. I was sick this morning. I was dehydrated. It doesn't stop me from getting up at 4.45 because that is more important to me than anything else. And this is the life of our Lord. You want to be like Jesus? He got up early every morning, the Bible says. Long, long before it, the sun rose, Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, morning by morning, He awakens my ear. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord, the Lord spent time with His Father every single morning. David said, early in the morning, I will seek after you. Psalm 63 and verse 1. I tell you this, every person in church history who's ever made a mark on their generation and the following generations have one common denominator. They were all early right. Shama. You want to be a man of God? You want to be a woman of God? You want to know the Lord? Get up early. Get up early to pray. Verse 23 and verse 3 says, He restores my soul. The setting of the psalm is important because David obviously was drawing from his experiences as a shepherd. And as I mentioned, the psalm was composed as David was fleeing Absalom. David's soul was so cast down because of all the troubles that he was passing through. And the phrase cast down is an old English expression for a sheep that has turned over its back and it cannot get up. And if left in that condition, it will die. It will either be devoured by a wild beast or it will choke to death. So to restore a sheep that, had been, that has been cast down, a shepherd has to be extremely gentle. And that's how you treat a Christian who has been cast down with gentleness, with love on the part of a shepherd. If we're hard on a sheep, it can demoralize them. I tell you this, my friends, the Lord is a good shepherd. He will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoking flex. And He seeks to revive the spirit of those that are broken. Amen. Amen. That's how we take care of God's people in the house. Hallelujah. You know, the reason why sheep get cast down Three reasons actually. Number one, they get too comfortable. 
That's a dangerous place for any Christian to be. Don't settle in comfort. Don't hesitate to move on to the more difficult pastures. If you camp on the same mountain for too long, you will atrophy, you will backslide. I tell you, being comfortable is, the, is not the best place to be as a Christian. A lot of Christians, they camp in this altitude of comfort and convenience for too long and they get sloppy. They get sloppy. And number two, they have too much wool and it speaks of the old nature become clogged and weighty with dirt. Number three, they're too fat. Ouch. <laughs> this is the, I'm telling you, this is a problem in Singapore right now. The, the number of obesity in children is, is skyrocketing. You've got to watch this in the church, amen, spiritually as well. Number, uh, verse three, second part of verse three says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Righteousness simply being uh, in right standing with God. Don't just stop at being in right standing with God. Walk in this righteousness. Amen. And you can do this by asking each day how you can be a blessing to somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. And then it says for His name's sake. All this He does for His name's sake. The state of this flock, Cornerstone, is a reflection of the pastors that guide and lead you. Right? I'm going to be appraised by Jesus on how healthy you are. So please, make my job easier. Verse 25, chapter 3, uh, sorry, verse 23 and verse 4. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfortest me. This is the division in the psalm. The year in Israel is divided into two. You've got the summer months and you've got the winter season. In the summer months, it's very hot. The shepherd leads the sheep away from the lower grounds to take them to the mountaintops where it's cooler. To get there, you've got to bring the sheep through these deep ravines where the wolves and the lions are. But the point is, if you want to go to the higher places in God, you've got to go through the valleys of life. The valley of the shadow of death is the only passage from the lower plains to the mountainous regions. And sometimes God brings you to those valley seasons in your life. I don't know about you, but I think I'm going through a valley season right now. David had to pass through Ziklag, the experience, to get to the throne. Did you know that after Ziklag, he was uh, crowned as king over the tribe of Judah. He lost everything at Ziklag, but that experience propelled him. It was a slingshot to the throne. Hallelujah. Amen. All that to teach you that God, that the God you serve is not just the God of the mountains, He's also the God of the valleys. The key word is the word true, hallelujah. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of the God does not bring you around, He does not bring you above, but He brings you through this valley because it's through this valley you get to know Him as your protector. Sometimes as a father, I say to my kids, I am your protector. Or as a pastor, I say to this congregation, I have to protect the church. And, I, and God knows that I do. He knows that I stand up for you. But I'm just a conduit of His protection. He is the true protector. Hallelujah. The valleys are where the wolves dwell and that's why a shepherd has a rod and a staff. A rod is a weapon of defense against the predator. Though your rod and your staff, they comfort us me. Why does His rod and His staff comfort us? It's because He doesn't use His rod on us. Hallelujah. Amen. He uses it on the wolves and the lions that seek to devour the sheep. That's why we are comforted. You never say to your parents, 
Dad, your cane and your belt, they comfort me. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I only got beaten once by my mom. Only once. She locked the room and she brought out this, this weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> and she gave me such a beating. I tell you this, I, I was going to check into the hospital. <laughs> Almost. No, I'm just kidding. But that drove out something in me. It drove out silliness and stupidity. Hallelujah. Amen. What is the wolf afraid of? Somebody tell me. What is the wolf afraid of? He's not afraid of you. He's afraid of your shepherd. Hallelujah. Having said that, I tell you, the Lord sometimes uses His rod as a means of correction and discipline. And I tell you this, I am comforted to know when He uses the rod on me. It's a proof that He loves me. Amen. In biblical times, a staff is sometimes used to just whack the straying sheep so that it gets back into the flock. And it's the shepherd's duty to make sure that the sheep are following him. Amen. Verse 5. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If there is a prophetic verse for 2023, this is the verse. You have pro 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 prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What, did, what table do you think this is? My friends, what do you think this is? It's the communion table. It's the communion table. It's the table of intimacy. It's the table of fellowship where we are face to face with Christ. I tell you this, my friends. Have communion as much as you're able to daily if possible. Make much about the blood of Jesus. Talk about the blood. Sing about the blood. Decree the blood over your family, over your life. I... This is a painting of a, a famous Spanish painter, Salvador Dali. Can we show the picture, please? This is his masterpiece. His famous painting of Christ on the cross. Can someone please tell me what's wrong with this picture? I will tell you, there's not a single drop of blood on him or on the cross. And Dali gave the reason the blood would mar the appearance of Christ. It would spoil my masterpiece. He said that because he had zero understanding of the price Jesus paid at Calvary. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without his blood, none of us will be here. Without his blood, we will all go to hell. Let's make much about the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't ever stop thinking and singing and talking and decreeing the blood. A lot of pastors today preach a very sanitized Jesus. A very aesthetically appealing Jesus that the world might want to receive. No, sir. It is a bleeding, wounded, dying Jesus who is our Savior, healer, and deliverer. Hallelujah. And the gospel we are called to preach is a blood-soaked gospel. And that's the only gospel that the Holy Spirit will affirm. Hallelujah. The human heart is deceitful above everything. It cannot be reformed. It cannot be renewed. It can only be washed from its crippling sin. And the only thing that's greater than the sin in our hearts is the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. You know, in the Old Testament, the fire only fell on a blood-soaked altar. Hallelujah. Woo! My friends, never be ashamed of proclaiming and honoring the blood of Jesus Christ. It's also interesting that, the, that God does not make the enemy disappear. They are all within our sight. While we are having the communion, we can see them, but, they are, but we are not within that, their grasp. Hallelujah. All they can do is watch us as we enjoy the table of the Lord. Amen. Psalms 100 and verse 2 says, Thou shalt rule in the midst of thy enemies. Woo! 
Another great psalm in the Bible, Psalm 91, during the COVID season, everybody was praying Psalm 91. is a psalm of protection. And the believers in every age have turned to the psalm, especially when there was danger. But did you know that David was the one who wrote the psalm according to the Septuagint? I don't know Hebrew. And I don't try to dwell in a subject that I have no uh, knowledge of. But I heard Dr. Michael Hesser, an erudite Jewish scholar, and he said the words pestilence in that scripture is the word debar. The word destruction is the word dakar. The word arrow is kites. And the word terapakar. He said, do you all know that those are the names of Canaanite gods? Every one of those names were the names of Canaanite gods. To an ignorant Gentile like me, I have no idea. But to an erudite Israelite, those Canaanite deities were demonic. And this psalm really has to do with protection from demons. I tell you, this is something God has promised to you. He has promised you protection from the demonic. You read the Old Testament, there's not a single reference of a demon being cast out. Not a single reference. There was a lot of warfare, but you don't see a hostile spirit being evicted from a person. It only happened when Jesus showed up in the New Testament. Why? Because the Jews believed that the ability to cast out demons was a sign of the Messiahship. Hallelujah. Woo! And I have no doubts that when Jesus cast out those demons, they knew who He was. They knew He was the Messiah, but they hardened their hearts against Him. It says, you anoint my head with oil. Sometimes the head of the sheep would be bruised, become infested with fleas, and the job of the shepherd was to anoint the head of the sheep with oil to calm them down. Anointing your head with oil speaks spiritually a protection from the flies of Satan, evil thoughts, and they produce peace in our minds. Sometimes in the morning, when I get up, I will anoint my forehead with oil. And I tell you, this always makes a difference in my life. Always. That simple act, prophetic act of obedience can have such a profound impact in my life. It's amazing. Try it. Get one of those anointing oils and in the morning just say, Lord, anoint me with fresh oil. All of you are anointed. All of you have an anointing within you and that anointing teaches you all things. Hallelujah. But you know that anointing can be increased. Pastor, how do I increase the anointing in my life? By spending time with the anointed one. Amen. Hallelujah. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word surely means it's a fact. The word follow actually means to chase. So let me just tell you, goodness and mercy has not been following you, it's been chasing you, and that's a fact. Sometimes I think, you know, we think, God, I messed up so badly. Your judgments are chasing me. No, sir, it's not His judgments that are chasing you. It's His goodness and His mercy that are chasing you. Come on. Friend of ours, Suzette Hetting, was going through the most difficult time in her life. She was almost despaired of living. I tell you this. I was hearing a story. She said, Pastor, I was in my living room. It was the darkest moment in my life. I heard the door creak open. I thought it, my, it was my personal assistant that came. She said, in walked the, through the door were two angels. And she said they were called goodness and mercy. <laughs> and I tell you, they have been following you. Stanley Frotsham, an author in the 50s, 60s, those of you who uh, were in that era during the Word of Faith movement, was walking down his home, along a street in his hometown 
When a palm reader came, grabbed his hand, says, Mr. Frotsham, let me tell you your future, your fortune. Mr. Frotsham shook his hands from that lady and she says, no, thank you, madam. My fortune has already been told. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is our glorious assurance as Christians that His goodness and His mercy will cover us. And when this life is over, we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to stand up, please. In the next few moments, I'm going to be praying three things. Your protection, your provision, and your guidance. I want you to know that God, when He died on the cross, Jesus took upon Himself our poverty so that He that we, so that we might be rich. I tell you this, this spirit of poverty needs to be broken over some of you today. God does not want you to be in poverty. He wants you to be in prosperity. He wants you to be blessed so that you can be a conduit of His blessing. And there, are, there is an anointing for prosperity here in this house. I've seen people grow up with me, students, when they first came to Cornerstone 25, 30 years ago, students, Today, CEOs and successful men and women because there is an anointing for prosperity. And one of the things I want to break in this house is debt, the spirit of debt and the spirit of poverty in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There are three things that your Savior has promised you. Number one, He has promised you that, you, uh, that He will protect you. Number two, He will guide you. And number three, He will provide for you. I've asked Bob to come and just to do one song before we pray. This is an old hymn we used to sing in the church and some of you in your 70s and 80s will remember this song. <laughs> but I love this song. It's one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite hymns in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Those of you who know the song, sing it with us. It's a beautiful song, psalm, and it's a beautiful song as well. Hallelujah. Bob. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to in pastures green, He leadeth me, the quiet waters by. My soul He doth restore again, and me to walk doth make with Yet will I fear no wind For Thou art with me and Thy rod And staff become fertile My table Thou hast furnished in presence of my foes, my head thou dost with oil anoint, and my cup overflows. Goodness and mercy, all my life shall surely. Follow 
Lift up your hands. Three things I want to pray for. Number one, I want to pray for your protection. Lift up your hands. Father, I thank you that you have promised to every born again believer in this house your protection. You are our protector. You are our defender. Hallelujah. And so I decree over this house no cancer, no premature death, no suicide, no abortions, no miscarriages, no divorce, no, no sexual immorality. Lord, over this house, let the covering of the Lord Jesus be over here, Lord. Let our marriages be strong, Lord. Protect us from sicknesses. Protect us from diseases. Protect us from the evil one. Let evil be far, far, far from our tents, Lord. Watch over our children and our children's children, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord. Let the devil have no hold on them in Jesus' name. Lord, I break every chain over the young generation, Lord. I break the spirit of suicide over this young generation, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, protect our children. Protect our family. Protect our loved ones. Cover us with your blood. Cover us with your blood. Uh, we make much about the blood of Jesus Christ over the cornerstone. Hallelujah. Cover us, Lord. I draw the bloodline over this house, oh God. Protect your people with the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And give charge to thy angels over us, Lord, and keep us far from the evil one. Hallelujah. I want to pray for provision right now. Some of you are struggling in your provision. I want to tell you there's an anointing for breakthrough here in this house. There is anointing for prosperity. If you just lift up your voice to the Lord and say, God, will you help me please? Will you help me? Will you break me out of this cycle of pro uh, poverty, Lord? Will you break me out of this cycle, Lord? In Jesus' name. Lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of poverty over this household in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I release the anointing for prosperity, Lord. Your people shall be blessed. Your people shall be the head and not the tail. They shall be above and not beneath. They shall lend and not borrow in Jesus' name. Father, release your anointing over this house. Let the power of, uh, of, of prosperity be released. Hallelujah. You want us to prosper, Lord. It is uh, to your glory that your children are blessed. Hallelujah. And finally, guidance. Father, I thank you that you promised to everybody here in Cornerstone that if they will seek you with all their hearts, they will find you. They will know your counsel. They will know your guidance. Father, in Jesus' name I pray, release over this house the Spirit, the anointing for guidance. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Lift up your hands. Father, release the anointing right now. Let them hear your voice. Give them the ability to intuit the voice of God. Give them the ability to have their ears open and aligned to the things of heaven. Hallelujah. Release the anointing over this household right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that while we are weak, you are strong. Hallelujah. That thy strength is made perfect in our weakness. Hallelujah. So if, you are, if you are in need of healing this morning, would you just raise your hands very quickly. I just want to speak a word over your life. Father, in Jesus' name, over every hand that has been raised, Lord. Struggling, people struggling with illnesses and sicknesses and long-standing diseases. Lord, in Jesus' name, give them the breakthrough, Lord. Give them the breakthrough, Lord. Give us the breakthrough for healing. In Jesus' name, you are the healer. You are our deliverer. You are our Savior. Hallelujah. And I pray in Jesus' name today, oh God, these three powerful truths, Lord, that you are our protector, that you are our provider, that you are our guide. Hallelujah. Shall be entrenched in this house. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, Father. 
Just for a few moments, lift up your hands and worship. Just pray in the Spirit right now. Pray in the Spirit right now. Father, we bless you. I praise you. Let's be great. Let's be grateful for all that he has done. Let's thank the Lord for his protection. I tell you, you don't know how many times the Lord has protected you. You don't know how many times the Lord has delivered you from trouble. You don't know how many times the Lord has watched over you, kept you from evil. I tell you this, my friends, as I close, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. Don't you ever forget that. Jesus said, I come to give you life and more abundantly. Lord, I just bless this congregation. I just pray the spirit of favor will be upon them. The blessing of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance and grant you His peace. And so may the Lord put His name on you forevermore. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise. Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.